Senior Master Sergeant Joe Bousquet. If you don't know who he is or what he does, you've come to the right place. He, uh, he also has a debut album coming out soon titled Simply Joseph, where you can hear his story in song form, kind of a musical cliff notes via soundtrack of Joe's day-to-day life in the IG office. Not really, but I'd buy it. He's a man of many talents and many skills, so I can think of no one better to talk to about our upcoming inspection later this month. What we can do as individuals, full-timers, DSGs, doesn't matter, to get ready for it. I think my biggest takeaways from this conversation with the IG superintendent, communication, ask questions, do your job, be ready to fight tonight, as General Roy likes to say. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair, and I'm here to tell you, stick around, you're going to want to hear this one. Senior Master Sergeant Joe Bousquet, IG extraordinaire. I don't know if that's his technical term or not. He's going to correct me in a minute. Um, that's the beauty of being a senior mass sergeant. Um, he's here uh, for this podcast episode. He's going to help us out, um, give, me, give us some tidbits on what to expect for this upcoming exercise um, for all of us that are going to be inspected um, and hopefully, hopefully maybe gain some intel on what we can do to help each other out, help ourselves out, um, and, uh, and set ourselves up for success. Um, so, Senior, thanks for coming in today. Oh, thank you, Andy. Um, can you give us, you start off by giving us like a quick background on who you are, where, where you come from and, um, and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So for the 101st, I'm the, uh, IG superintendent and, uh, I've been with the IG now for about five, five years, I guess I would say. I took a couple of years off and went down to FSS for a while, but I'm back up at the IG about seven or eight years ago. Uh, the air force changed the inspection system to something they called APHIS, and since that new change, I've really pretty much been in the 101st uh, IG office since then. So we handle everything that is inspection, exercise, compliance, and uh, obviously complaint-wise. Oh, okay. Do you, so do you guys, does everybody in your shop handle all of those, or is it, is it divided amongst the ranks? So we'll split that up. Um, we, have, we have four people in the shop right now, and we will split up the responsibilities of inspections, exercise, complaints, those types of things uh, amongst different people. We do have a complaints coordinator, a director of complaints, who is Major Andrews, Major Emily Andrews. I also handle complaints. So for the complaints side, there's only us two that are certified to do that. The rest of us, we do uh, mix up all of the responsibilities of inspection and exercise, just as uh, you know, whoever has the available resources to do it. I mostly work on the entire wing's inspection, exercise, compliance programs. Um, Mr. Qualls, who is our director of inspections, he is responsible specifically for individual inspections and individual inspection planning. And then uh, Tech Sergeant Kerry, who is new with us, she is our inspection coordinator. She helps with inspections and with our uh, units USAP programs. I'm not sure I've seen a team as dynamic and uh, that, as the one that you guys have now. And let's talk about experience, for example, just off the top of my head. Um, uh, what, what year did you join the Marine Corps? 
So I joined the Marine Corps in uh, 1984. 1984. So yeah, literally 40 years ago next year. <laughs> so that's that. So it's 40 years experience right there. Chief Qualls had had had, had been out uh, NGB and security forces, and he was the chief here for a long time as well. A lot of wealth of experience and knowledge there. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Nutter, who uh, everybody knows, and she's been out here for a long time, and she she has uh, a wealth of knowledge um, as well. And like you said, Emily Andrews, um, and then uh, and Tech Sergeant Carey. So I think that you guys, what I'm getting at is that. The IG, the IG team that we have now, um, well, it's just for lack of a better term, say you guys know what you're doing and you know how to get us to where we need to be. Um, I think that the we, t- we kind of talked about this before I hit record, but the, the days of um, kind of, you know, A1C, Andy Sinclair, fearing IG when they come around are long past. And, and you guys are here to help set us up for success. Right. That's one of those things. So they used to say... Uh, black hat, white hat, IG back in the day. And, you know, the black hat IG would come in and be very, um, I don't know, you wouldn't say aggressive, but very strict and very harsh. And that, those were the times when the units were fearful and they were hiding things. And uh, what we really found out was that you weren't getting a good look at what a wing could do because of that fear and because of that uh you know, let's say hide our things that are messed up. So that information wasn't making it up to commanders. And then commanders, of course, could never correct it because they were never finding it. So that, that type of inspection model really uh, kind of played out. Now they call it kind of a white hat. Um, so it's not an aggressive uh, type of thing. And then every commander has really wrapped their arms around this idea of embracing the red, which is tell me the things that are wrong honestly show me those things that are incorrect so that I can make decisions on what to do so that we can make sure that we can accomplish our mission and we reduce our risk. As far as our IG team that we have here now, one of the things that, you know, we are very fortunate because we have a a full IG team. There's a lot of things uh, to do with funding. The Guard Bureau only funds the IG for one single position, and that is our actual IG, which would be Colonel Nutter. The other positions in the office are funded locally by our wing commander, which happens to be Colonel Gillis at the time. And that wing commander can decide how to fund it. They take it out of hide, it's called. And he has chosen to fund that office uh, 100%, which is, which is excellent for us. But not all wings are in that situation. Some wings have two, three, some have six or seven. But uh, we are in a good spot there. The other thing is, um, one of the things that I do is I travel around to other guard bases and uh, I instruct and I teach other uh, IGs how to run IG shops, what are the pieces they're supposed to have. Um, So I work as a trainer for NGB to go around. So we are lucky that we do have a a pretty seasoned IG shop um, to try to cover down for everybody to prep the wing when we have these types of large inspections where we might have a MAGCOM come in and, and take a look at if we can accomplish our mission sets or not. Oh, that's cool. What's it like going to other wings and and trying to help them out? Well, that's interesting because one of the biggest things that is a problem in IG shops is turnover. So um, all IG shops, because they are funded out of hide, um, a lot of those people are indefinite. And again, it goes back to manning and a lot of technical stuff like that. But indef is, is a little bit risky for an employee. They could be asked to go home. They're not a permanent employee. So what we find across the entire enterprise is people that come into the IG shop and they're in in in-depth positions, 
they look to find permanent positions someplace in the wing. Um, so that's one of the things that causes a lot of turnover in the IG shops. The other thing that causes turnover in the IG shops is they are being used as um, kind of a training ground for the next step. So you'll see a lot of officers come through the IG that will move on to squadron and group commander uh, positions. And that's, that's because it gives them the opportunity to look across the whole wing and kind of get a holistic view of the mission set as opposed to their own specialty uh, in that view of the mission set. So with this inspection we have coming up in March, can you tell me, can you tell me what you can tell me about that? Sure. So this is interesting. So it's, uh, there's a lot of um, confusion about it or there's some confusion about it. So what it's called is it's called an NSAV. So it's, it's really not an inspection. Um, it's not our MAGCOM coming down to take a look at us and give us a Caesar's thumb as to, yes, we can pull off this mission or no, we cannot pull off this mission. It's A10N who is uh, responsible for policy and directive um, on the nuclear side. They are coming down with a team. There'll be about 10 to 12 of them. And uh, you, could, you could look at it as um, they're coming down to provide input, to do a salve, to take a look and, and see where we could do better, some things we might not have thought of, um, to kind of prepare us for our nori, which will be down the road. So this is a normal step that is taken on every wing that runs this uh, nuclear mission, is they will have an NSAV. It's a required visit that will come out. So they're going to come out. It's a, it's a great team of people that have an enormous amount of experience in this mission set who have seen hundreds of wings you know, perform this exact same exercise that we're going to perform, and they give us some pointers hey, you could improve this. Hey, that was really good. You might want to think about this. Sometimes when people do this, even though you guys pulled it off, we've seen it fail. So be careful. Um, so it's, it's really that type of look. That's what's going on for this uh, March inspection. So, and how, so how big is the team do you guys know? So the team that will come down, um, so there's, a, there's a, a few different people that will be on our base. So we'll have um, the NSAV team, and that is about 13 people, let's say. And then we have a group of observers that are coming in from other bases. So just as we go to other bases, a lot of people from our base will go to another base and they'll observe a unit run their nori. We have people from other bases that are just coming here just to watch. So they're just people from other bases who have the same mission set and they just want to see how the maniacs do it. We have a very good reputation for pulling off this mission set. We're very well known uh, for being very capable of pulling off this mission set. So we get lots of people that will call and say, can we come and can we watch uh, you guys run the, run the mission so that we can get a few pointers, see how somebody else does it. So we have that group. So we have the NSAV team, we have a group of observers, and then we have, of course, like when we were doing our last Norries these last few months, we have our WIT inspection team. So that's the wing inspection team, and that's a group of local people. That's our local members here who are run by the IG, our local IG, our shop. And they have a series of things that they are going to inspect uh, while they're here. We do have a couple of outside WIT members for some area that we needed to cover down on where some of our shops are kind of light. To kind of help out with that, with that team 
that, yes. that, that, so the, like members that they're not sending on their team to inspect those shops or, or help out those shops. I see. Um, <clears throat> so what are some things that like, uh, what are some things that we can do to, uh, to help prepare for this? Like, I mean, I know it's, I know we're a few weeks out at this point, but it's something that our wing has been practicing for and getting ready for. Um, and, and I guess the second part to that question is, um, you know, is there a, is there a rank, um, requirement or a rank, uh, expectation for, for these, for these, uh, for who's going to be, um, looked at or, or observed like, you know, is, is airman snuffy who's 18 fresh out of high school going to be looked at, or is it going to be chief so-and-so or is it everybody? So it's interesting. There's a, there's a couple different types of inspections that we, we typically see here, uh, at the wing when somebody from another unit will come down when a larger match come. One of them, of course, is our, our UEI, and when we do a UEI, that is when a larger team will come down. You know, there might be 60, 80 inspectors from AMC will come onto the base, and they'll do a lot of very technical, very detailed inspections. And you'll see those guys communicate much more to a larger group of airmen on the base because they're they're looking at everything. It's a it's a large, almost a administrative inspection. Uh, effectiveness inspection type thing. This inspection is a readiness inspection. Can you do this exercise? Can you do the most important mission that the United States of America has? Can this base, can the members on this base run that mission if the president says run that mission? That's what these guys are coming down to um, take a look at. That's what our NORI will be looking at. So that group is a smaller inspection group so they may not communicate directly with every member on the base, or they may not communicate directly with lots of members on the base, because what they are doing is two things. They are observing our ability to run that exercise. Can we produce aircraft? Can we respond to aircraft? Can we launch aircraft? Um, can we meet the requirements of that? And then secondfold, they're looking at our local IG and inspection teams. And they're saying, can this base field a local inspection team through their IG that is capable and mature and experienced enough to provide the AMC commander a thumbs up or a thumbs down on this wing can pull off this mission set if called upon? It's like you're... Um it's like you're reading it off of like straight out of the AFI. Like you've got it down packed in your mind. It's kind of funny to watch and listen to. It's like some, most people we talk and we interview and it's, uh, it's, you know, some thought process goes behind it. Maybe some ums and ahs. Like I, I tend to do a lot of the times, but you've got this down packed, which actually makes me feel good. This will be, we'll be good to go and come March. But, um, so what, uh, I know we probably can't talk about, um, the the extent of the NSAV and and uh, are, are, can we get into at all like a general overview of the MST or is that something we can't talk about? No, we can talk about that. the uh, The general idea of of our our mission set, of course, is we have um, you know we have a couple of major graded areas. Uh, one of those is generation. Can can our maintenance people? Uh, can they generate the required number of planes, you know, for this type of mission? Can they get them ready? Can they prep them within time? And, of course, everything we do in the military, there's, there's timing involved, especially when you're going to have a, a large mission um, of this type of, of this nature. There's, there's uh, lots of timing-type pieces so that all the other pieces in the whole country 
can come together all at once and we can defend the country. So there's that generation piece. There's a piece called uh, employment. Can, can our ops group, can our pilots and, and can our boom operators, can they get to these planes? Can they, can they decode messages that are coming in? Because we'll get all kinds of secret messages which will tell them uh, what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to go. And can they do those things? And then there's another piece, which is a mobile support team. And, and that'll be um, a, a large group of people or a group of people would leave the base and, and they would uh, go to a distant location and uh, set, up, um, set up the resources required to retrieve planes and send them back out to the mission. So that's kind of the, the three big pieces. They're called MGA, Major Graded Areas. Um, that we look at when we run this mission set. And so, oh, that's good information. Um, so you mentioned earlier um, the concept of embracing the red. So uh, let's say, for example, my area um, receives um, some red, uh, and I'm, the, uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, the individual that all falls on. Um, what would be my next step um, to, to correct those deficiencies and, and make sure that we get into the green. So in the past, what was going on was you would have an inspection, and if you saw any red out of an inspection report, then the kind of the concept was somebody has really made a gigantic mistake. Somebody will be held responsible. Somebody's going to have to pay for this. And that's, that's definitely not the situation now. It's a reality that everybody knows that we have uh, thousands of AFIs with thousands of lines of will, shells, and musts, and at different times, we may have forgotten one of those, or through transition, we may not have covered down on one of those, or because we as a base have moved our resources around someplace, we may not be able to do one of those types of things right now. So when those things come up, they'll get documented. They go into a system. We have a couple of systems here which track things. One is MCT and one is iGEMS, and, and they're used for different purposes. But anyways, it's the same idea to track compliance and to track the unit's ability to perform tasks that are outlined in different directives and guidance. So what will happen is an inspector will come in and, and it'll document some sort of a deficiency and uh, a different shop or a unit will have uh, something that they need to take care of. So the whole mindset here on the base has gone from, and across the Air Force really, has gone from we need to make somebody pay, somebody's responsible, somebody's going to get talked to about this, to let's go talk to that person in that shop and find out why we're not doing these things. Let's put together a corrective action plan on how can we correct this. Or even on a bigger level, me as the wing commander, if I'm the wing commander, I might say to myself, okay, thank you for telling me that we're not doing that anymore. I have the purview of the entire base and the entire mission, and I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to do that. We're going to waive that. Uh, we're, we're not going to do, I do not have the resources. It is not mission essential, and we're not going to do that task. So that also frees up the resources of the individual that, that wasn't doing something, and it provides really a lot of uh, comfort in your job. You know, you go home at night and you say, did I do a good job today? You know, was I a good employee? Did I do the things I'm supposed to do? Did I... Did I represent the people of this country who are paying me to come to work every day? Did I do a good job today? And if you know in the back of your mind that there are some things that you haven't been doing that you're supposed to do, you know, that plays on you a little bit. 
So having these types of inspections where you come in and you, and you see what's not being done and you have commanders take a look at that and tell you, okay, you're right, Andy, that, was, that is not a very important task there. That's kind of a minutia task. Why are we doing that? We don't have the money for that. I don't want you to waste any of your time worrying about that anymore. I'm going to go ahead and submit a waiver so that we don't have to do that. Hmm. And that would be a normal process. That'd That's be something. absolutely normal process. Is that something that you guys have encountered before? Have you guys had to deal with that? Absolutely. So, um, and, th- and that's what is so good about this inspection system. The way that we have it now is a commander. So prior to, I, I took a break in service after the Marine Corps, and I used to do some business consulting. And one of the biggest things that I would see that would kill a business is that a business had created a mindset where real information wasn't making it up to the CEOs, the VPs, that type of stuff. The same stuff happens here in the military even more. You, if you create a situation where the commander cannot be aware of what is really going on in his unit or her unit, then they can't make the necessary changes. It's kind of like this. If you go out and you don't know that you have bald tires on your car, you drive 100 miles to work, 100 miles an hour to work that day. The tires blow out. You crash. Everybody dies. Bad things happen, right? You didn't accomplish the mission. But if you're aware, if somebody told you, hey, your tires are bald, then you can go and you can make modifications. You can say, okay, I'm not going to drive 100 today to work. I'm going to drive 25 until next week when I can get enough money to replace those tires. And that's the same thing a wing will do. If the commander knows that we're in a situation where we have bald tires over there, they'll modify the requirements, they'll sound the alarm, they'll make uh, changes to what they tell their supervisors on can they pull off a mission or can they not pull off a mission. Because the key, especially with this mission, is the highest levels in this country need to know can the maniacs pull off this mission set if they are told to go right now, in a way, it's kind of it kind of sounds like you know um, one of the one of the big terms that we use in, in our career field is, con- is constructive criticism. It's what, kind of what it sounds like. Um, maybe not so much criticism can sometimes sound too harsh, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing if you if you're being pointed out what it is that you need to fix and what you need to what you need to um, to change in order to 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 put your best foot forward and get the mission done, or or to change something like you said that needs to be uh, that needs to be. Um, fixed that hasn't that maybe we haven't been doing it the right way the whole time um or maybe doing it the right way doesn't fit our fit our needs and maybe we can submit a waiver and and and, and see what it best fits our mission um and, and our wing which is pretty cool um uh, what uh do you have any advice on uh, uh individuals our maniacs specifically our our dsgs are going to be here for the long weekend that might be operating at that um might be operating at that tactical level that may not may not be a part of the MST may not be uh, um, singled out for uh, you know questions or, or or an inspection you know your staffs and your techs that you know that may have a, a fire team that they're responsible for. So, the biggest thing that can be done, and it, and it plays back to what I was talking about with providing true honest feedback, is um, run run your responsibilities like you're supposed to run them. Um, use the systems that you're using, use the processes and procedures that you are supposed to use, and when you find problems in those processes and procedures, when you find problems in those items that you use to accomplish the mission, you make sure that that information 
is directed upward. You make sure that you tell your supervisor, hey, when we tried to run this mission the other day, I had to use this equipment and this equipment does not work for that. I had to use these processes and these processes did not work or they were very slow or here's a better way to use that process. Find the wit that is inspecting that area. Find the, the inspection team member from our base, they're our own people, and tell them that. Show them, look, I was trying to accomplish this task. I was trying to change the tire on this plane. I was trying to uh, prep the paperwork for this deployment. I was trying to gather the gear for these people. And this is the problem that I encountered, which caused these negative types of things to happen. And if we did it this way, uh, we could actually improve it and uh, have a much better chance at accomplishing the mission, reducing the risk to not accomplishing that mission. That would be the best advice I could give everybody that's on the base. One thing, too, is you mentioned DSGs, and I remember I would be a DSG, and there were several times, uh, I was a DSG here, and there were several times that I would come in, I, and I was working down at uh, LRS at the time, um, and I, I really didn't know what we were up to. I'd heard, you know, through the grapevine, we're doing an inspection or an exercise. I, I really didn't know what the exercise was about, and I really, I really didn't have any concept of the big picture or why it was important that I hand that person in front of me the correct gear. So the other thing I would say to any DSG member that listens to this is uh, really try to get involved with what we're up to here on a base. We have active duty missions on this base. We hold uh, the responsibility for one of the most important, well, actually for the most important mission set uh, for our country. And if you are unaware of what that is and, and what we do in these exercises, you are absolutely welcome to come up and talk to me. I will tell you everything about it. Um, I will make sure you understand every aspect of why we're doing what we're doing. But your supervisors also know those things. And ask those questions because lots of times it's difficult for us to do things because we don't know why am I actually doing it. If I knew why I was doing it, then I would perform much better. I would perform uh, much more accurately or I would perform quicker or I would perform uh, more diligently, you know, whatever the case may be. But if I'm unaware of the why on to what I'm up to, uh, then you'll find that my performance your performance, anybody's performance, will be less than what it could be. Hmm. So what you're talking about in both instances that you're, you're referring to is, um, is really, if, if, to, to go back to that tactical level, uh, for any member, really, actually, um, is communication. That, that's the key part. If, I, if I'm unsure of what, what it is I'm supposed to be doing, or if I'm, I'm unsure of what our overall big picture is here, which is, I mean, you, you, you're speaking from experience and so am I, there were times I've been out here before, uh, especially as a, when I was young. I hadn't, I didn't even know who our wing commander was, you know. And, and so, ask those questions and don't be afraid to ask them because in the environment that I grew up in, it was you were afraid to ask. It was afraid because then you'd be you'd be made an example of, or maybe you'd be called stupid, or you know, Airman Sinclair, how do you not know this? Or right. why don't you go read the blue book or the brown book for a little bit and come right. back to me? Um, right. And and so what you're talking about is communication. And if I come to you as my supervisor, and and I walk away feeling um, uh, less uh, un uneducated of what's going on, that falls on you. That doesn't fall on me. Absolutely. And if I'm not getting that from you, go, go somewhere else. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, a couple things there. If you think about it and you think I'm out here full time, and if I 
if I added up all the questions I ask all month long of every different person on this base, I ask all kinds of questions of people. I call up units and I ask them questions and I ask the people that I work with questions. Uh, everybody, people that outrank me, people that don't outrank me, people that have just been here for uh, you know months. I ask a ton of questions. So now you transfer that to a DSG. A DSG is here for two, three days. Okay, if they ask a month's worth of questions in two or three days, that's the same thing as, as us, as the full-time staff did. They're only here a few days. All the actions that we take all month long are condensed into just a few days. So they'll ask a lot of questions, or they should. And if they are asking us questions, like you said, and we're not providing them the answers, we're not providing them the time, or we're chastising them for asking questions, that's the exact scenario that crushes and kills businesses and crushes and kills the military. Communication, we talk about uh, communication a little bit. So one of the programs that we use is MCT, and it has, a, uh, it has a SAC, which is a communicator. It's called a communicator. And it's meant for every airman in the organization to be able to directly tell all levels of the Air Force that something that they're supposed to be able to do, they can't do for some sort of reason. Maybe it's a training issue. Maybe it's a resource issue. You know, who, who knows what the issue is? But that communicator, that SAC in McT is, is viewable and is viewed by the highest levels of the Air Force. They collect this information up and they make decisions off um, where we should move resources, where we should move personnel, where we should move money, where we should move supplies. So it's very important uh, to communicate that up through. If you find yourself in a situation where you are taking your job responsibly, you're taking your job serious, you're providing information to your supervisors, and you don't believe that that information is being taken seriously or that you feel like you are being shut down and told to kind of just go sit back where you were and don't worry about it, then speak to another supervisor. That's, that's our job. That's what we're being paid for. We're being paid to use our brains. We're being paid to use our, our physical abilities. And we're being paid to accomplish a task. And if for any reason any of those things you feel are being inhibited, then it is also your responsibility to voice that up through. Of course, maturely, professionally, all those types of things. But it's just what we're being paid for. I'm being paid today to do some stuff. And I'm going to try really hard to get that stuff done. And if people block me in the way or undermine what I'm trying to do, or don't take seriously what I'm trying to do, then I'm going to talk to more people. I'm just not going to go back to my desk and just give up for the day. Well, that's the beauty of today's uh, environment, and we've had it for a long time, though, is those same resources that we're allowed to, to, um, to access. You know, if, again, if you're, if you're my supervisor, and I, don't, I'm, I feel like I'm not getting that information or I don't have the tools that I need to accomplish my mission. Or maybe that I'm not, like you said, maybe you're not taking me seriously and, and, and I can see that. Um, there are other resources. I go above you. I go to my first shirt. I go to um, maybe the, maybe my commander has an open door policy, which a lot of them do nowadays, which is great. Um, and those those uh, uh, those resources are, are, are certainly there. Um, you know, they. Uh, I feel like that's that's probably one of the biggest roadblocks that our 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 maniacs uh, or probably any airman or any service member uh, out there has is is not getting that communication and, and not um, relaying information or getting the information they need to be able to complete their mission what uh, so going back to that sack and that communicator you're talking about is that something I'll be honest with you I 
I didn't even, I didn't know that. Um, is that, is that something that like, is that something that I could access, um, from home or does it have to be on a government computer or how does that work? So the, the SAC, okay. So one of the, it's, it's in the program McT. So these are the, these are the questions that are being answered in McT. So if somebody in your unit says to you, we have a, a checklist, we have a McT checklist that we need to answer. And uh, maybe they print it out or maybe they just ask you those, or maybe you go in around the PC and you take a look uh, around the computer and you take a look and you say, okay, what are the questions? What are they asking us? And this, this McT question set, what it is, is where it comes from is a fam will take a look and will say, what, what do we want to make sure, or what things are we going to check? What type of checklist are we going to create for all members within the guard uh, or all members within the air force in this specific area? So for instance, PA will have a, a checklist In the IG, we have a checklist. And some fam took a look at all the guidance and all the directives and said, okay, I can't create a checklist with these 700 things in the, in the AFI that it says, will you do? Because that would be an administrative burden. And I don't think the return that we would get on that based on the amount of time that we would, uh, that we would take to provide all that information into the system is a good balance of our, our use of resources. So they'll take those 700 requirements in an AFI, and they'll pare it down to about 20. They'll say, okay, if a unit is doing at least these 20 things, that will provide the commanders and the command, the higher commanders, um, a good idea of is our PA shop kind of on track, or should I go take a look in there? Should I be concerned with that? Is that causing some risk to my mission? So every area on the base has a checklist. And that checklist is a pared-down um, AFI. It's, it's a series of questions that have been selected by a subject area expert, put into the system, and then we answer those questions. The answers to those questions can be seen uh, all the way to the highest levels of the Air Force. Anybody above us, any MAGCOM, uh, HAF, uh, anybody can, that is above us uh, can look at any of our answers and of course, when we answer them, this is the most important thing. When we say we're not doing it, that's when we should really provide accurate information. Why aren't we doing it? Well, we're not doing it because we've never been trained on how to do that, because we don't have a trainer, because our last trainer retired, and uh, we haven't filled that position yet. Okay, well, we need to know those things, and your commanders need to know those things, so they can make sure that that small risk doesn't become a gigantic risk and then crush the whole mission set. Do you think that our members are utilizing this frequently or often? or how? So the MCT program has been around for probably about seven, seven, eight years, I would say. And initially, it was when it was implemented, it was, uh, you know, a, a version one Air Force program. So like most version one, large organizational programs, it had, it had issues. Um, it is... It is a product, and it is something that's being used all the time. Some units that we travel around to, uh, you will see that this is really part of their USAP program, unit self-assessment program. Uh, this, this product, this MCT program, is part of that overarching unit self-assessment program. You'll see that units use it quite a bit. So it really varies. Some units on our base um, pay more attention to these communicators than others. 
Some units across the Air Force pay more attention to these communicators than others. But what I think it provides is it provides a commander a very quick snapshot on what is the compliance of my unit in the in the just the myriad of requirements that they have through different directives because those requirements are put in there for a reason. Um, Big Air Force has said to do these types of things if you are somebody from PA or if I am somebody from the IG or if I'm somebody from the maintenance shop or I'm a security forces member, I have to do and know these things. Uh, there's a reason that they've been said that way so that we can accomplish whatever mission set we are. So we're prepared, we're ready uh, to fight if we need to. Um, so I think the units that, that look at these MCT checklists and actually use them as a management tool, I think they're a little bit better in the know than maybe a unit that's not. I can't recommend enough, and as, as I'm sure you can't either, that, uh, that commanders and supervisors um, uh, make sure that this, this information is pushed out to, to the junior enlisted and to, to the junior officers and people who everybody should really know this information, um, especially the resources that you've been given. But um, from a man who knows IG, um, this, is, uh, this is all great. Is there, is there anything else you want to add, senior? Um, I guess the only thing I would add is, is I do think that it is our responsibility uh, to know what we're doing. And sometimes I remember coming in as a GSG, and of course the largest piece of our force are DSG members. And I, I really didn't, um, I didn't know. And um, I was, I don't know about embarrassed, but uh, hesitant to ask all of these people that are out here all the time, you know, they've been in for, for so long and they have rank and they, they know all the systems and they know all the little secret codes and all the little secret handshakes. And I, I was very hesitant to ask them things because, of course, I want them to view my, me as a resource. And if I come here, especially on the weekend, and I ask a whole month's worth of questions in two days, I mean, they're obviously going to look at me and say, boy, that guy doesn't know anything. So here we are, we want to promote somebody or we want to move somebody into a, a position of more authority or give him some responsibilities. Well, we can't give it to Joe. I mean, the guy comes in every weekend and asks a whole month's worth of questions in two days. But it is your responsibility to know. And if you don't know, ask. It's kind of like in security forces, they have something that says if you uh, see something, say something, right? They they, they, that's a very important piece of the security of our base. If you, if you see something, say something. So here it is. It's a very important piece of your job. If you don't know something, ask something. And if somebody is asking you something, if you're somebody that's being asked these questions, uh, really think to yourself, remember when you did not know those things and you were hesitant to ask those things because you didn't want to be viewed uh, as unknowing, right? So take the time and explain it. Uh, look away from the computer, put down your phone, and explain all the information that that person wants to hear or needs to hear at that moment because they've taken the step to say, I don't know, and I need to know. And we are all better off if everybody knows the answers. So help, uh, help answer those questions for the airmen. And if you are the airman that's asking those questions, and you don't have to be an airman, if you're the master sergeant, if you're the senior master sergeant asking those questions, I ask questions all day long to people on this base because I absolutely do not know all the answers to all the areas and all the things on this base. So I ask all the time. So make sure you ask questions, and if you're being asked questions, make sure you answer those. 
Oh, it's all good information. I think that, um, and, and listener, if, if you, if you don't know, um, uh, Joe Bousquet, um, what, what are you, six, two, six, three. Um, okay. And so, uh, it, it, you're a big guy, tall guy. Um, and if he's timid or shy and, I, and Andy Sinclair is timid and shy to ask questions, you can be rest assured that probably your, your 18 year old or your, or your 22 year old, um, fresh officer out of school is, is might be timid and shy to ask questions. So have that conversation. If you're a supervisor with your, with your, with your airmen and with your teammates that they need to have, they need to ask the questions. Um, because I've been in that situation, clearly senior master Sergeant Muskay has been in that situation where we felt shy and felt, felt timid. Um, and we're obviously not the only ones. So the, the more open communication, uh, and this goes for everything, not just as these inspections, but the more open communication that we have, the more we can fix things and, and, uh, and, and move in the right direction. Um, but I do, I do want to thank you for your time. Uh, thanks for doing this. All right. Thank you very much, Sergeant Sinclair. I appreciate your time. All right. Joe Bousquet, everybody. Please share this information with your battle buddies. Communication is key. Having the conversation is key. The senior has been around a long time, and I do mean a long time. He knows a thing or two about, well, everything. But he said it himself, if he has questions throughout the day, he knows that he has to ask, and so do the rest of us. Thanks again, senior, for the chat. A quick safety plug before this tape runs out, ice fishing, be safe out there. It's cold, and it's warm, and it's cold, and it's warm again. There are open spots in the hard water. Know where they are, unless you want to go for a swim. There, Dominic, I made my safety plug for you. And that's all I've got. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. So long.